0: This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Kevin Durant. You, Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go. Again. Sorry. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Annis Cantor. You're listening Warm. to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say to that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, I will have Fred Katz, Royce Young, and John Hamm on. But first, I want to give a nod to our sponsor, Chicken Express. This month at Chicken Express, you can get 16 dark, 6 biscuits or rolls for $20. So you can go get the dark meat at Chicken Express. It's really, really good. I think that I like it better than, than the white meat because it's just... It's a lot more juicy. It's just so delicious. So get yourself this 16-piece dark from Chicken Express along with six biscuits or rolls. And make sure that you check out their sides. They have mashed potatoes. They have mac and cheese, green beans, corn on the cob. They have these little, these spicy poppers that have jalapenos and cheese and they're fried. I had them this week. They're just so good. You can wash it all down with a sweet tea. You can go check out Chicken Express all over OKC and UConn and Edmond, down in Moore. You can also check out Chicken Express in Dallas. Go check them out this week and enjoy the podcast. With me today, I have Royce Young from ESPN. Me. That's me. Fred Katz from the Norman Transcript. Hello, Fred. Hello. And Hello. John Ham from all the podcasts in the world and the franchise. Hey. Oh hey, John. Okay, so we're gonna talk quickly on tiers. Of the young players on the Thunder Because the Thunder really need uh, some internal development to happen On this team this summer I think I feel like that's going to be the theme of the summer Is internal development So I put the Thunder young guys into tiers And I wanted to discuss them And who we think is going to be ultimately the best player from each tier So I have three tiers The first one is Steven Adams and Victor Oladipo First of all, do you guys think that anybody else belongs in this top tier with these two? And then let's discuss who is going to be the best out of those two. Uh, Royce, do you think anybody else belongs in that top tier? The only
1: other player that I think I would consider would obviously be DeMontis No, I'm just kidding. Um,
0: <laughs> Chris Bosch DeMontis <laughs> <a bonus. laughs>
1: I do think that you could make a case for Alex Sabrinas to be in that tier. Mm-hmm. Uh because I mean, I personally think Abrinus is going to be a really solid NBA player. Um, I mean, the, the, obviously, the thing that separates Adams and Oladipo is you know their contracts. You know, they're they're paid players at this point, so they're you know they they're young, they've got potential, but they've also been paid. Um, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I could really put anybody else in it. Abrinus would be the guy pushing pushing it for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Anybody else want to add anybody to it? And then if not, then let's discuss. Who do we think will have the better career? I would be tempted to put Abrinas there because here's the thing. He's 23. He just finished his first NBA season. If he was in his like third year, I think we'd have a different opinion about him, and he might be a little bit further along. Mm-hmm. So I'll just I'll throw that out there because, like Royce, I'm also very much on the Abrinas train.
1: Hey, he's a rookie. I think we all forget that. The guy's a rookie.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, he's good. What do you think, Fred?
2: I think it's uh, Stephen Adams. I, Only I Stephen I think, Adams, no Oladipo. No Stephen Adams. I mean, you asked who's gonna have the best career. I think my answer is Stephen Adams. Sorry, I I don't pay attention to you guys. I don't I don't need your <laughs> rules. let uh, <Fred's>
1: checking Twitter.
2: <laughs> Adams, Adams, and Adams and Oladipo same tier. But I I, I think I think Adams is the guy who's gonna be gonna be the best career. I just, a, a big who can who can be that defensively versatile. I just think is more valuable than than an off guard who is pretty good at a bunch of different things. I just – I would rather have that big who's proven he can anchor a top-10 defense.
1: And I think Adams – I mean Adams to me is still just scratching the surface offensively of how good he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've we all kind of – I think we've all seen it. And like I, I've i talked before that I I could see – I'm not predicting it, but I could see a day where he does shoot three-pointers just as crazy as people might think that is. But like if you watch Steven Adams shoot – He's got, he's got touch. He's got decent mechanics and like just athletically, he's just one of those just gifted ath- athletes. I mean, that's really what he is. So, um, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to become a pick and pop guy. I don't know if he'll ever, cause I, I think one of the things Adams has all often struggled with is confidence in game. I think that he is extremely confident, on the practice floor and in a shoot around setting or a pregame setting, but then you put him on the floor. And I think that he gets very structured and very like disciplined with like, this is the parameters in which I play. And I don't know that Adams is a guy that's like really all that willing to just try stuff. Um, But I do think that he is just scratching the surface of how good he could be on the offensive end.
2: Well, you know, what's funny. We like talk about a lot. We talk about this type of concept in relation to Russell Westbrook a lot. And that like his, his, the traits that lead to his greatest strengths are also responsible in a way for his greatest weaknesses, right? That's just mm-hmm. his playing style, his recklessness, his, you know, his his ability to make these crazy plays, which can also be turnovers, which can also be the greatest basketball plays you've ever seen. And with Steven Adams, that's kind of the same thing, right? Like we we love, and when I say we, I mean like basketball culture and society, we love players When role players and guys who aren't, you know, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, those types, when those guys only do what they're capable of, we love those guys and they don't do more. Right. And I think that's in a lot of ways. I think that's a great trait for Steven Adams. Steven Adams right now can can take and make mid range shots. He can do that. He is a relatively analytically inclined person does not like mid-range shots and openly talks about how it's not something he think he'll ever really implement into his game because he doesn't think he's ever going to be a 48% mid-range shooter, which is really what you have to get up to. You really have to get to, you know, 45 plus, something like that, mid-40s at least to be a guy who's just consistently taking those shots all the time, even when you're contested, to make that an efficient way to play the game, at least analytically. And he's a guy who 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 I don't think is ever going to do that, which is why like there might just be a season where he just Starts shooting threes and you're just like, wait a second, why? What happened to the mid range game? There was right. no, there was no gradual steps step out away from the basket. Uh, but I agree with you, Rice. Like in some ways, that's also a a confidence thing to where he's physically able to do certain things that he either doesn't do at all during games or only does sometimes during games. And I think drawing that line between hubris and just mere confidence is a really interesting thing for him. It's a theme for him because he's not arrogant at all. I mean, he has just no ego. I mean, he, he has less of an ego than anyone on that team. I think it's fair to say, and at least anybody who consistently plays on that team, he just has, has nothing. And that can be a great trait, but it can also sometimes be a little bit of, uh, of a struggle for him.
1: That's a great point, especially because you think about, you know, the point you make Fred about um, kind of knowing your role and playing within your, you know, understanding your own limitations and like, you know, that's a, that's a given to take. And, you know, we, like you just said, but like Andre Robertson is kind of the other side of that. Like if Andre Robertson would just stick to his strengths, people would, I think, have a lot different opinion of him as a player. Um, You know, if he was just scoring on cutting and rebounding and in transition and limiting, you know, the the early clock three-pointers and just kind of doing the things that he's good at, people would look at him a lot differently.
0: I think my next question with this particular tier is, can these two reach their potential with Russell Westbrook as their point guard? Because I think we've, we got to the end of the season, we got through the playoffs and you are like, well, I'm pretty sure that Steven Adams and Victor Lodipo can do a whole lot more than what they showed the season. And I think a lot of that is because Russ had the ball all the time. Mm. Um, and can they reach their potential with Russ? And I think that Russ is going to have to change his game. Some, uh, but I'm I'm getting a little afraid that that these two guys in particular, because they're willing to take a backseat to him, they've shown that um, in multiple ways. So, do you guys think they can reach their potential on the Thunder?
2: Um, Adams,
1: yes. I was going to say Adams, yes. Oladipo, eh.
2: Oladipo, it's 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 hard. I mean, here's here's what's interesting about is this Oladipo's. Potential? Because, I mean, it's it's hard to separate – I think sometimes we think that players' mentalities are things that can just change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's good at handling the ball. He's good at going to the rim. So he can just make a decision to do that more and he'll do it. But that's not necessarily true. Like some guys are just naturally tentative or they may be physically – it's like kind of what we were talking about with Adams just now. They're, they're physically comfortable doing certain things, but mentally it doesn't fit their personality. And I'm not so convinced that Victor Oladipo, no matter what team he's on, is going to be a guy that goes barreling at the rim with the ball anyway. I mean, I know he's billed reputation-wise as a guy who, before he came to the Thunder, was just going at the rim a lot and was an aggressive player. And then he came to the Thunder and got more tentative. And he did handle the ball less than he did in Orlando. Obviously, he's playing next to the guy who just broke the record for usage rate. But, like, go back and look at the stats for the league leaders and drives per game from a couple years ago before the Thunder got him his last year in Orlando. And like he's tied with Dion Waiters who was playing like 12 minutes a game less than him mm-hmm. in, in drives per game. And, like Dion Waiters is playing in mostly an off-ball role. And something that we've talked about is like he wasn't handling the ball all that much his last year in Oklahoma City. And he was playing – you know, two thirds of the minutes that Victor Oladipo was playing in Orlando as like a an actual facilitator and a lead guard role a lot of the times that he's on the floor and yeah there were troubles with him and Alfred Payton meshing but like I don't know if it's in his personality I don't know if it's within his basketball DNA to be a guy who's just going to go rolling towards the basket all the time even though he's athletic and every once in a while he has these moments and finishes where you're like man he could he could do that so much more often if he were given the opportunity yeah, yeah I think that.
1: To me, like I look at Oladipo and I think you're exactly right, Fred, that like it, he's, he's frustrating because you can see that there's something more there, but I don't know that there necessarily is. I mean, he took a leap this year in terms of his spot up shooting. You know, if you, if you remove the little stretch of games where he was recovering from his wrist injury, I mean, he he essentially was a 40% plus three point shooter outstanding in catch-and-shoot opportunities and really, really good from the corners. Um, For about half the season, he was shooting almost 50% from the corners. So like Oladipo, in terms of like the the quote-unquote 3 and D guy that everybody in Oklahoma City has been desperate for, Oladipo was living up to being that. I think that – but the problem that he kind of faced is that he would have been a wonderful complementary piece on a Durant Westbrook team, Mm -hmm. but now he was kind of cast into this idea of a like, okay, you're, you're Westbrook's supporting guy. You're the, you're the Robin. And I don't know that Oladipo was that comfortable sliding into that, but like, you know, I think to me, his, his obvious point of progression here is, and where I think he can go from a good to a very, very good player, maybe even borderline all-star type of player is that if he just gets to the free throw line, but again, it's like what you Fred, you said, Fred, um, like you can't just you know wave a magic wand and just assume that he's going to start doing that or that he's going to draw fouls but like look at look at his free throw attempts per game in his career he was 4.0 as a rookie 4.4 3.4 and then he was 2.3 a game last year 2.3 mm-hmm. that is that is abysmal for a player of his athletic ability and strength and and yes Westbrook had the ball but i think it speaks to the fact of like when we talk about the progression and development of Westbrook himself a lot of that is Oladipo kind of grabbing the bull by the horns here and saying, like, give me the ball. I'm going to I'm gonna create, I'm going to do things. I think getting Oladipo in pick-and-roll situations, you know, Billy Donovan, I think, erred throughout a lot of the year by not letting Oladipo run second-unit point guard. But, like, let's just get Oladipo to six free throws a game. And now he's averaging 20 points a game. I mean, that to me, it's just a simple progression to make a, a player go from, you know, a pretty good guy on the floor to a really good player.
0: Yeah, I saw this video on Twitter yesterday that said... Victor Oladipo dunks. See all 39 dunks from this last season. I was like, he only had 39 dunks from last season? And I looked it up on I mean, basketball. had
1: 39 dunks in game one of the finals. Right.
0: Victor Oladipo on <laughs> – oh, man. Victor Oladipo on basketball reference, 36 dunks on the year. Andre Robertson had 59. Like you wow. – it's it's a, it's a stat that just almost tells the whole story about him because – yeah, he he need if he's going to be like a borderline all star player, like he's got to get to the rim and he's got to get to the free throw line. Uh, but he's and, just not, Andre that, not that aggressive. Uh, Andre Robertson also had 59 wide open dunks, by the way. So that's probably <laughs> yeah. <always> the <a> difference. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, one guy has been in the dunk contest, the other guy won't sniff the dunk contest. Um, yeah, it's I mean, uh,
1: Oladipo had one of what I think was one of probably the seven best dunks in the NBA last year, the one in Atlanta. God,
0: in Atlanta. Right. I mean, yeah. it, was a,
1: it was a magnificent dunk.
0: Yeah, he he had 36 and Ennis Cantor had 27 who could barely jump over a phone book. So it's crazy. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the next tier of players. That includes Alex Sabrinas, Demonis Sabonis, Jeremy Grant, and Doug McDermott. I think these are for sure rotation players in the NBA, but can they be more than that? Can they be a team that's a team talks themselves into paying these guys 20 million a year or something like that, which it doesn't take much. Alan Crabb proved that Uh, last summer, but can these guys, can any of these guys be more than just like a role player on the, on an NBA team? And who do we think is going to be the best out of all these guys?
1: So what's our, what's our group again we
0: got? Abrinas, Sabonis, uh, Grant, and McDermott.
1: Well, Abrinas for me for sure because I already kind of
0: covered.
2: Wait, wait, wait wait, all... wait, wait, Royce, Royce, Royce. If, if Sabonis is okay. Chris Bosch, all right. Abrinas is better.
0: He's Dinobly.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm <just> saying <laughs> that means Abrinas is Dwayne Wade on the Big Creek.
1: Do I have to re qualify what my point was with Damonis Sabonis? No, it's no, already I'm out not there, Royce.
2: Re-qualify it. I want to completely misclassify what you said. <laughs> so you have to see, to have this you this a-
1: is why people don't ever compare players. Like, I remember one time I kind of compared, like, I just like stylistically, and I was like, yeah, you know, I think Josh Eustace could be kind of like what Danny Green is. Uh, In San Antonio, I mean, like career trajectory, everything else. Like, you know, obviously in a different position, but like, you know, similar to kind of Danny Green. I had people be like, what? Royce Young said that Josh Eustace is as good as Danny Green. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Lesson learned. Don't compare players ever.
0: (laughs) Anybody have a take other than
1: Abrinas? I think Sabonis is going to be really good. I'm a believer. I think he's going to be
0: good.
2: Yeah, I think Abrinas is going to be the best. Abreu is is good today.
0: Oh, he's right. good. Like
2: there's yeah. there's no. And granted, he's got a couple years on Sabonis, but he, he's a couple years younger than uh, than McDermott. And I think McDermott probably is about what he is, and and I think Sabonis is going to be a contributing NBA player, but he's got to develop to get there, which I think he will, and that's fine. He's he just turned 21 years old. I mean, that's that's completely fine that he's not there right now. He, he, I don't think anybody expected him to be. Such a great NBA player right off the bat with with Abrinas though Like Abrinas is there today. Abrinas is an NBA rotation player right now. So I I really have to say Abrinas because of I mean he he could be one of the best shooters in the NBA as a catch and shoot guy. I really believe that. Yeah.
1: I, I mean I think I think to me Doug McDermott's progression is in position, and if if he can become a a somewhat adequate stretch four, I think that you could see a leap in Doug McDermott. For one, he'll play more. Um, and then two, he'll just you know I think he'll he'll fit into Westbrook lineups a lot better. So like if that to me that if if McDermott can fill that, and I know Billy Donovan's going to want to experiment with that uh, to a to a pretty serious degree next year. McDermott can adequately play four. I think that that would that's where his like next evolution would be, and that's where I think he could get a lot better. For me, like what do you guys make of like Sabonis's first two months of the season or month and a half? Like w- was that just like complete accident? <laughs> Where Did he was he shooting forty percent shoot? plus from three, like what? How? I feel like we forget about that. Like Sabonis really just limped to the finish line, but like he had that game in Boston where he started eight of eight from the field. Like, yeah. Like, what? It's, what? What am I to make of that?
0: He's clearly something in between. I do think that that was an aberration, that shooting for sure. But he was he was killing it in NBA in like pre-draft workouts. Like he was. Shooting the lights out in pre draft workouts from three. And so I think that some of that is real. I, I think that he'll probably settle in as like a third between 35 and 37 percent from three. Like, I do think he can shoot. I don't think he's a 40 plus kind of guy. Uh, but if he can be a 36 37 percent three point shooter and a guy that moves the ball, uh, I think that that's highly valuable and his, and his ceiling might be even a little bit higher than a Cause I think that he, cause he can, he can post up still a little bit and he can pass. Uh, I, I think those guys might be a little bit closer than it ended up looking at the end of the season.
1: Fred and I's theory Maybe. throughout, really this was kind of more my theory and I tried to rope Fred into it as the season went along, but I became more and more convinced that just Sabonis just, he just couldn't play well. With Russell Westbrook, <laughs> he was just scared of him.
2: Yeah, I I, just, I, I I actually do agree with you, Rice.
1: I I felt like, especially just as the season went along, and like, you know, Westbrook became more stat conscious, and everybody was following stats. I feel like, you know, I don't think, you know, we tried to kind of look it up, Fred, but we couldn't really find statistics on like what what did Sabonis shoot uh, on a pass, you know, directly from Russell Westbrook. But like, my instinct says like four percent. <laughs> like, well and like i feel I just, like just, i yeah. feel like sabonis just couldn't make a shot when russell threw it to him because i feel like he was like oh my gosh i gotta get russell the assist here
0: yeah well the triple double record game was like solidified that for me because anytime because he had the ball probably i think two or three times whenever it was going to be the assist that eventually went to my man Samaj. um <laughs> and he was you could just feel the fear from my television into my heart from Demona Sabonis, <laughs> because it was, you could, it was, it's weird. Cause he, he's got a lot of skill, but mentally he, he had one of the strangest seasons I can never remember. Yeah.
1: but you you know know what really thing, yeah. By He was a rookie. Yeah. And rookies, yeah. you can go back and review rookie tape on so many different players and they look a whole lot different uh, after a couple of yeah. years, after four or five years in the league.
2: Andrew, you say you mentioned the uh, the game where Russ broke the triple double record against Denver, and mm-hmm. that's 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 a good one for an example because you missed a couple of bunnies there. But you know, what really could prove that theory even better. The next game, when everybody sat and Sabonis in, in Minnesota, and right. Sabonis was playing freely and moving off the ball right. and setting screens and penetrating to the rim and kicking to corner shooters, and it's just like, whoa, this is the guy they thought they were drafting. And I think he had twenty and nine or something in that game, and like. Who cares about the shot making? He was taking shots and right. like not hesitating to take them, and like he was going two dribbles to the rim and kicking to corner shooters, like things we just haven't seen. Passing out of pick and rolls, like things the Thunder ways the Thunder want to use, use him moving forward, and weren't able to do this year, and like that is something. Like that's that's not a way that he played uh, when when Westbrook was on the floor. And part of it is that Westbrook kind of takes up the motion, but like you know he was playing a lot more freely than than when he plays a lot more stiffly in the other 81 games.
0: Yeah, his line that night was 19 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal, and he got to the line six times. His line against Denver the night before, 0 points, 1 assist, 3 rebounds, and he was a minus 5. He was terrified. (laughs) (coughs) Yep, theory proved. Uh, Last tier, and the question that I'll pose before I even say the names... Are these guys NBA players, Josh Eustace and Samaj Christian? Josh Eustace, yes. Samaj Christian, eh. I agree with that. All of that. That, exactly. that noise.
1: Yeah. I
0: agree with that noise.
1: I, mean, I think Samaj Christian is a maybe uh, NBA caliber defender. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> My voice is higher and higher as I talk about Samaja Christian.
2: I think they're both NBA players. Okay. I think I think Samajit Christian is an NBA. I don't think he's an NBA backup. Yeah. But I think I think if he's your third point guard, because I think he's a, he's from everything I hear, he's a really good practice player. And if your if your third point guard is a guy who isn't going to play, and you have a healthy first two point guards, and and he's strictly your third point guard, and all he's doing is just like. Why could, like, there's a reason L Ivy played 11 years in the league if we're going to keep this Thunder-centric. There's a reason Kevin Ollie played tons of years in the league, right? It's because these guys are amazing practice players, and they annoy the heck out of your first two strings starting point guards mm-hmm. in practice. They've got the work ethics, and they, they you know, they, they have that sort of attitude, which is in a third point guard, it's fine. Like, that kind of stuff is fine. He's a good athlete, defends well. Like, I have no problem with him as a third point guard. Yeah, so I, I'm fine with that.
0: Ronnie Price is another one of those guys
2: definitely
0: definitely uh guys thanks for <laughs>
2: okay good good, good reference yes.
0: guys thanks for coming on the show today we can follow royce at royce young fred at fred Katz, and john at john m ham and we will talk to you guys on wednesday <laughs>